0: Good evening, fellas and ladies out there. Word podcast coming your way once again. I love that intro music, by the way, that we have. So we have five awesome topics ahead today on this show. Steve Smee here along with Rick, as usual. How's it going, man?
1: Hey, what's up, Steve? Hey, guys. How are you doing today?
0: So, guys, we're going to talk about some awesome steroid topics in this episode. And we're going to talk about uh, a couple other topics as well. So let's get right into it. So the first one, uh, it's, it's a really good question. Uh, this guy is saying that his last cycle, he ran 100 milligrams a day of Anavar, He had tremendous results. He said he shredded up, he cut up, he got stronger in the gym, everything. So now he wants to run another cycle of Anovar, but he's saying now, wouldn't it make sense for me to go ahead and run 200 milligrams a day? If I got such great results on 100 milligrams a day, why not run 200 milligrams a day? Double the dosage. So let's talk about this a little bit you know, is more better when it comes to steroids. So Rick, you've been around the forums a long time and you've, um, I know like there's been so much ups and downs over the years with guys running a lot of gear, guys cutting back, guys running gear. It's kind of like a cycle. It's a flow up and down. So what's your thoughts on this? Does more really translate to better results?
1: Well, in his particular case, he's going from doing, uh, he said 100 mix a day, that's about 700 mix a week, uh, bumping all the, that all the way up to 1,400 megs a week, um, doing 200 a day. So that's, that's, a, that's a big bump up. He's going to see some, some improvements, but um, it's not going to be twice as good, but it'll, it will definitely be better. There will be a difference. Um, in his situation, 200 mg of any oral, um, might be too much, in my opinion. I would instead do maybe uh, a total of seven hundred megs if he really wants to do this much. Right? I always advise to stay under under a thousand milligrams. But if you're really going to do this much, I really would suggest uh, adding in an injectable, some uh, test, some uh, EQ, you know, something along those lines. Uh, not not doing two hundred uh, megs of uh, of an oral per day, in my opinion, that's overkill.
0: You know, I've experimented with this over the years, guys. I've ran, you know, steroids at low dosages, moderate dosages, high dosages, just to see what would happen. And in my experience, when I've run steroids at high dosages, it's been the side effects. The side effects have actually been counterproductive to my results. You know, it affects your organ health, liver, heart, kidneys, et cetera, et cetera. It increases inflammation in the body it increases your chances of injuries in the gym it decreases your quality of sleep you know and it, this is stuff that affects you it can it can change your mood it can change your aggression it can change your attitude towards you know your loved ones so there comes a point where more is definitely counterproductive and with anavar a A dose for a male is 40 to 60 milligrams a day. If you can't gain, make good, get good results, cut up and make good gains at 40 to 60 milligrams a day of Anivar, then they're, they're either your Anivar is shit quality or you simply don't have your diet and training down. And that's a cliche, but it's true. You know, you really don't need to. And I've talked to guys, uh, even moderators on forums over the years who have run 100, 120, 140 milligrams of Anivar a day And yeah, I mean these guys have been ripped and stuff, but really like their their quality has of gear has been shit. So that's why they're having to run so much. So we've gotten into that habit of hiking up the doses, just hiking up the dose just to to cover up, I think, the inferior gear that is floating out there. And that's that's one of the big ones right there. If you talk to a lot of the old timers, they'll say they never ran very much gear. And I believe them because, you know, back in those days, gear was f- very, very high quality, pharmacy grade, very, very high quality. And now it's it's kind of like walking into a drugstore and picking up the drugstore brand of medication versus the name brand medication. They're both the same dosages. They're both the product they claim, but there's just... I don't know. It's just the quality is different and it's hard to put your finger on it. Maybe it's kind of like the old adage of buying organic spinach versus conventional spinach. So that was the same same spinach. You're getting a pound of spinach. It's both spinach, but one was grown a certain way. One was packaged a certain way. One was handled a certain way where it's just more quality. What do you think, Rick?
1: Yeah, it's tough to really know how much you're really taking when you use underground lab products? It's just it's hard to know because they're not uh, tested for potency, so um, it's tough. But you know, I think look if you you make yourself crazy if you think about that. If you've already made the decision to use underground lab stuff, just trust the label as much as you can. And um, if you're taking a you know UG uh, Anavar, hundred mg a day is plenty. I wouldn't bump it up any more than that. Um, staying under a gram is really where I think everybody should be at is trying to grow while staying under a gram. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, if you have to account for, uh, for gear being fake, gear being bunk, I mean, you, there are tests out there. They can tell you if you really have the compound that what you're taking, but it won't tell you how much uh, It won't tell you the potency. It's, it's tough to know when you use on uh, the ground lab stuff It's stuff to really know. Sometimes it'll be more, sometimes it can be less, you know, batches aren't tested for potency afterwards. So that's tough to know.
0: Yeah, it really is. Uh, it boils down to just, just trusting your source for sure. So our next topic again, um, having to do with cycles is about diet. They want to know is a keto diet a good idea for, for my cycle. Now you know, I'm gonna let jump Rick jump into this, but first let me just say this, guys. Diet is so fucking important, okay, when it comes to fitness, whether you're an endurance athlete, a bodybuilder, a powerlifter, a weightlifter, just the guy who likes to go to the gym and lift, just the guy who wants to have abs. Diet is the number one thing. So deciding, hey, I'm going to change my diet when I go on steroids without like experimenting with different diets beforehand that to me is really really peculiar it'd be like an astronaut going on the space shuttle without training for the space shuttle knowing how it's going to react i mean he might you know die on the way up from from you know being shot up into space so it doesn't really make sense to me on the surface but i get it i get it everybody is impatient these days everyone wants to hop on steroids nobody wants to like change their diet it's too much work whatever so but like guys you really have to know this shit beforehand you got to understand my second point before I let Rick jump in is keto diet what the hell is a keto diet because if you look at social media you'll you'll see all kinds of opinions on what a keto diet is but the whole the whole basis behind a keto diet is to put you in ketosis okay and put your body in ketosis where your body's actually shedding, you know, pissing out ketones. So the the diets that are floating out there that claim to be ketogenic are actually not ketogenic in the first place. So really a ketogenic diet by definition is a low carb, high fat, at, you know, moderate protein diet. It's, that's pretty much what it is on paper. And if done correctly, it is a healthy diet, Yes. But the problem is what we've seen out there in social media is it's not portrayed as healthy and it's very, very misleading because it doesn't put you in ketosis. You can't just eat steak and high-fat stuff all day and go into ketosis. It, it doesn't, our bodies just simply do not work, work like that. So that out of the way, you know, Rick, what's, what's your perspective on this? There's different types of ways to approach this topic.
1: Well, first, you got to try the diet natty, natural, see how it works for you, see if you can tolerate it, see how your body feels. And then pretty much anything you can do natural and works for you, if you do it on steroids, it'll just work better. So it's, it's really a no-brainer. Just try it, try it out. Some people will do great on the ketogenic diet. Other people just don't. Other people can't. So um, you have to try it out, see how it works for you. Taking the steroids will just make whatever results you're looking for much better. And uh, yeah, if you're trying to cut down, I've know a couple of guys that I've worked with that used uh, a ketogenic diet for cutting down while on steroids and had good results. You know, absolutely no problem. But I do advise anybody to try it first, Natty, and see where see where it takes you, and go from there.
0: Yeah, you definitely want to make sure you get good quality olive oil. Um, make sure it has that California label on it because a lot of olive oil out there isn't real pure olive oil. Um, it's a loophole in the law that allows them to put other types of oils like hydrogenated oils and vegetable oils in the olive oil and sell it. So you want to make sure you get that California label. That is a good indicator. That it is hundred percent olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, coconut oil, very, very important for a ketogenic diet should be cooking with coconut oil. That's what I cook with. So I um a lot of my diet is actually ketogenic. It makes
1: everything taste great. Coconut oil makes everything taste so good.
0: Yeah, it's you got to. It's one of the first things like if you you move and I move out on your own and you buy all your kitchen supplies, that's like the number one thing that you should put in your kitchen to have is is your uh, good quality organic coconut oil from a legitimate health food store. But I mean meat, poultry, eggs, fish, avocados, those are all things you, sh- you can eat on a um, ketogenic diet, obviously vegetables as well. And, you know, ketogenic people, they will what they'll do is they'll avoid fruit, sugars, you know, starchy stuff like breads, obviously pasta and all that stuff. So the basis behind the diet is good. I just don't like the way social media portrays, it, portrays the, the ketogenic diet and kind of misleads people into thinking that they are actually going into ketosis because- that's not what happens. Um, if you do a water fast for three days, if you test yourself on the fourth day, you will be pissing out ketones that is being in ketosis, but the ketogenic diet is a name ketogenic. It's not that you're going to be pissing out ketones. So, you know, Rick, what's your experience? Do you, do you notice these social media guys who promote it, who don't even understand what it really is, or is it just me?
1: I see a lot of people out there with, with a lot of uh, weird misconceptions about things. You what, know, do you think uh,
0: about those, what do you think about those keto supplements that you take and it puts you into keto? Because I think it's uh, – I, I, I don't think it makes sense to me. But what's your opinion on that? Do you think those are just grifters trying to sell supplements?
1: You know, last time I was at the, at the Olympia last year, um, it was my first time seeing uh, like ketone sports drinks. I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting product. Like you know, you're supposed to let your body uh, create its own ketones, but you know, supposedly uh, some people think drinking them is going to make your body go into ketosis faster. And I just I haven't really seen anything that supports that. Uh, but that I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty funny.
0: One social media guy you know, he got called out because he was, you know, kind of pushing these supplements and stuff. So then uh, one of, you know, he they, he got called out. He's like, they asked him like, well, you know, why are you not pissing out ketones when you claim this stuff works? And his, his explanation was the ketone strips are not accurate. That's his explanation. Oh, so wow. I thought that, I thought that was pretty funny considering diabetics depend on ketone strips. Um, you know, but the diet, it's the ketone strips, not accurate, not, not his information and in his supplements. So it's just another example guys of the fitness industry and um you know the way people misled you, but the keto diet guys on paper like as long as you're checking the ingredients of the foods you consume you know it's a it's a good diet it i like i said like a lot of my um i don't really- i don't count macros i I rather count micros. I preach that all the time on the forums, but if you were to look at my macros and I was to calculate it, my macros of fats would be 40, 50, even 60% on some days. So, you know, I have a very high fat diet and, um, but I, the one aspect of the keto diet I don't agree with is fruit because I think fruit is very, very important. We've been consuming fruit for 2 million years. It was the first thing we ate, even in religious books, Adam and Eve, the first thing they ate was, was an apple fruit. So we've been eating uh, apples for the beginning of time. So I don't, uh, and I think, fruit very very important minerals and vitamins so i in very high water content which our bodies are made mostly of water so that's one aspect of keto i don't agree with so really my diet is mostly a keto diet but i also incorporate fruit so that's that's kind of the way i approach it any uh, anything else to add rick before we move on
1: i think we're good man covered it
0: yep Yeah. So, um, guys, next one is another good one too. Um, let's talk about kickstarting cycles and, um, you know, we hear a lot about kickstarting or finishing cycles and stuff. I think on the last couple of podcasts, we did talk about finishing cycles and we are going to get into that a little later on, I think as well. Let's talk about kickstarting cycles. What is it? And, um, I think it was fascinating because the first time I started learning about steroids was over on the old EF board. And pretty much um, everybody who would recommend a cycle to me would always tell me, you know, start your, you know, if you're running a 10 or 12 week, you know, testosterone, 500 milligrams, standard cookie cutter cycle. They'd always say, you know what, you got to kickstart the cycle in oral. First four weeks for six weeks with a, with an oral. So that's kind of like the, where I kind of, learn about kickstarting cycles so rick you know i'll let, let you cut in here did, did that start happening in the 90s or where people start kickstarting or do you think people have been kickstarting for from before that
1: uh people have been kickstarting for a while now and it's been going on for a minute uh, when i started taking steroids it was the standard practice was to kickstart the cycle with an oral i never did it because i um I should say i never did it at the start when i first started using because i wanted to go with just the injectable yeah and then uh you know over time some cycles I did later on I, I kick-started them with with an oral and yeah man it works it, it really really does work uh it helps you stay motivated too man because you get that uh, that big uh, rush of progress in the first couple of weeks three the first two three weeks and it's a real legitimate way to uh, make a lot of progress very quickly. I mean, you really, those orals really make you feel like you're on something, like you know you're on something. And, yeah, it's, you know, the injectables, you got to wait a while. you got to wait a, a couple of weeks for them to build up and to really start seeing results. But uh, those orals, man, they, they, they're quick. Um, and, yeah, you just got to make sure to take your anti-guard, make sure you take your uh, liver support. You know, you're not messing yourself up. And, yeah, I mean, kickstarting all the way. I, again, I'm, I'm not a believer in taking a, a bunch of uh, different steroids. I think you can do with just maybe, you know, a couple, two, two steroids is all you need for a good cycle. But um, if you really want to go that route and you want to try it out, it gets the cycle going a lot faster and, and, you know, a lot you get a lot stronger, a lot quicker. Um, your gains come on a lot faster, a lot earlier on in the cycle. Uh, it keeps you motivated. It keeps you tight. I mean, it's good. Good practice if, if you're really decided that's what you want to do.
0: So, guys, a rule of thumb whenever you want to know, obviously, when you first use steroids, whether it's a long ester injectable or whatever, it hits your body right away. We all know that. But when does it peak? Okay. And the truth is that you can take the half life of the steroid, multiply it by about five, and that'll tell you when it peaks. So, if you're running, so say, testosterone E, testosterone SIP. Between eight and 12 day half-life, depending on what, what literature you read. So let's say 10, 10 day half-life on those long ester testosterones or Primo, Prima ethanate, you know, long esters. Multiply by five, that's 50 days. It's going to take 50 days for it to reach peak levels. Yes, it works this, right when you inject it, but to peak levels, it's going to take 50 days. So the idea is you kickstart it with an oral, which kicks in a lot quicker, like Dianabol four or five hour half-life. So it's going to kick in within a couple of days, really, really reach peak levels. So you'll feel that D-ball after a few days, it'll be in your system. So as that long ester is kind of building up before it reaches the peak, as you inject along, the more injection frequency and, and over time, that D-ball is actually working. So that's the, si- that's the logic behind the kickstart. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. So you can kickstart it with really any oral uh, the first, this first cycle I ran was sustained in 500. Um, it was like 10 or 12, you know, 12 week cycle standard. And then I kickstarted with some D 20 or 30 milligrams a day. D man, I felt it three, four days later. Wow. That shit, you know, I was feeling it on my list. It was, it was amazing. So, you know, just that's the strategy behind it guys. Just, it's just to kind of give your cycle a little, little a head start until, the esters kick in. And by the time the esters kick in, you can cut off the oral. So I got no problem, even for, for a cycle, a guy's kickstarting uh, kick cycle, just make sure you run your property support supplements, the N2Guard, and run an AI if, if you're running something that aromatizes. That's it. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. All right, guys. So next topic, and I'm going to let Rick get on this first because he has some strong um, opinions on it. This guy wants to know, he says, my IFBB pro buddy says to switch compounds during cycle because he says it enhances the cycle. Is this true, and what is the science behind it? So Rick, I'll let you take this one first.
1: Um, I don't think there's any science behind it at all. Um, I think uh, when you switch compounds uh, mid-cycle, if you use different compounds, your results are going to be – you know, slightly different, you know, providing that you maintain the same diet and training program. If you just switch things up, your, your, um, your results are going to be slightly different. So you're going to see a bit of a change. Maybe you'll get a little bit puffier. Maybe you get a little bit drier. And maybe that change will give you the perception that things are somehow happening really differently. But, I mean, your overall uh, results are really mostly going to be dependent on your intensity and style of training and, and your diet and, um, you know, switching the compounds up here and there, maybe, you know, maybe if you were taking test and, and EQ, and then down the line you switch the, the EQ out and, and added, I don't know, Winstrawl or Mastron or something like that. You might look a little bit tighter. Yeah. But overall, uh, your results may not, your, your permanent results may not be that different, um, uh, had you switched out that that one compound or not so it's my opinion on it i think i think just tight to training is is really number one it's what really go, what's really going to lead to what your final result from that cycle is going to look like
0: i think this is another example of of listening to these ifbb pros and a buddy also we see that a lot you know people listen to a buddy at the gym they listen to some pro they saw on on instagram or something Guys, at the end of the day, they're them, you're you, okay? Comparing yourself to a pro who monetizes it, who's getting sponsors and stuff, who has this top 1% genetics, okay? Makes absolutely no sense. It'd be like like you going to a spelling bee against the top spellers in the world. You, You know, it doesn't even make sense. They have a gift, okay, for this. So... Worrying about what they do makes no sense. And here's, here's the bottom line on this. The reason that these pros switch compounds like that is due to flexibility. They use a lot of short esters. They want to be flexible because if things aren't going well ahead of their show, they want to be able to switch it out and have that ester clear out. So five times your ester, if it's a shorter ester, it's going to clear out a lot of quicker. So that gives them the flexibility. That's why they run the propionates and the acetates and the shorter ester compounds because they want to be flexible. They want to switch from running testosterone, EQ, Trend, switch it over to Mastron, Winstrol, Anovar, the the dry compounds, Proviron, etc., because they want to get dry into their, into their show. They want to peak at their show, but you as a normal gym rat, you're not trying to peak on September 15th, the day of your show where you have to go in front of judges and your underwear and pose. That's not what you're trying to do. You have a long-term approach, a year round approach. You want to look good year round. You want to, right? So why follow what these guys are doing who have to look good on a certain day of the year when you want to just look good every day. So don't worry about what your buddy does. Don't worry about what some pros do because they're on a totally different program than you. And that's, that's the number one problem I see in the fitness industry. And that's holding so many people back is that they listen to these people. And then this shit gets copy pasted and parroted and regurgitated by people. And we see this all the time on forums. And it drives me crazy because you see people posting shit on forums that they heard from some pro that has 0.01% of the best genetics in the world. It makes no sense. It's like me learning to throw a football from Tom Brady. Okay. It doesn't make any sense because I'm never going to be able to throw a football like Tom Brady. So why would I even (laughs) worry about how Tom Brady throws a football? You know? So it's just one of those situations. I think that's where you get this, switching the compounds you know is a is a makes a difference and stuff so that's that's my opinion on it guys but yeah they like rick said there really isn't any science behind it
1: well first of all let's just let's all agree that there's a lot of guys with uh, pro cards out there now because of all the different categories that have been added over the years last few years uh, so there's a ton of guys out there now with ifbb pro and their instagram profiles most of these guys are are genetically gifted and I would say most, if not all of these guys are paying a coach to help them with, put their cycle together and help them, um, you know, with their diet training and and adjust and make adjustments to it. So um, you can't, you can't do what the competitors do. Their uh, whole system of training and and cycling is completely different. So uh, you got to, you got to kind of do what's going to work for you. And it's going to keep you safe and it's going to be more convenient for your lifestyle and, and for your goals. So. Agreed, definitely. On All
0: right, guys, our last topic. It's very important. One, it's a health-oriented topic, and this is another one where, you know, we see a lot of, uh, you know, this is a, becoming an epidemic. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, coffee and stimulant abuse from, from pre, pre-workouts. Um, you know, it's to me, it's becoming an epidemic because it's legal for this to be sold over the counter, and it's addictive. And when you combine those two things, you get, it's a damn good business. Like owning a, like whoever started Starbucks was, was a genius because you're selling a product that's addictive to people and that people are going to have to keep coming back every day for. And I'll tell you, I date a lot of people my age and your age Rick, are addicted to this shit. And I see this, like I've dated girls that literally they go crazy if they don't have caffeine. It just their mind just goes crazy and they turn into different people, and it's scary. It's no different than a crack addict in my mind. So, the health ramifications behind being addicted to these stimulants, these pre workouts, I see at the gas station these young guys, 20 years old, 25 years old, walking out of the gas station holding three Red Bulls or holding three monster drinks. They're addicted, you know, and they have to have this just to get through their day. And the the the, you know the bad parts of it are really gonna hammer you when it comes to sleep quality because you put a stimulant in your body, it's gonna be in your body when you lay your head at night and it's gonna prevent you from going into a deep sleep, which is gonna prevent you from repairing the muscle, which is gonna prevent you from recovering properly. And that is gonna be a problem because caffeine has a six-hour half-life. Multiply that by five, that's gonna take you over 24 hours. So even if you drink caffeine in the morning. It's still gonna be in your system when you when you put your head in the bed, even in small, you know, in small amounts. So, uh, Rick, we talked about this pre-show, and um, you know, you uh, you talked about it. You got a little of addiction going. Tell us about that.
1: I love coffee. I love caffeine. You know, it. Uh, I use it as a tool. It helps me focus. Look at look. Steroids are aren't any good for you. We're still doing them. I don't think um, caffeine is, in my opinion, any worse for you than than taking you know than injected testosterone is uh it's a tool and a lot of people get through their work day get through their you know rough days just using caffeine um it's one of those things where caffeine has been used by humanity for so long now it's one of those addictions that you can maybe have your whole life and it not not ruin you i like caffeine i like pre-workouts i you know i don't i don't do pre-workouts um to do cardio I think that's not a good idea, but um, sometimes I'll train uh, later in the day. I'm a little bit tired, a little pre-workout, man, it gets me right through that workout. I don't have a lot of trouble uh, sleeping. I could take my pre-workout, uh, I take N2KTS, and I can um, four hours later, three, four hours later, I'm you know I'm ready to go to bed. So it doesn't really um, doesn't affect me as badly. Uh, but I understand what you're saying. I mean, ideally, you'd want to be addicted to nothing and you'd want to you know need nothing but um man caffeine has uh helped humanity get through so much uh, a lot of uh stuff has been figured out studied and, and written on, uh, on some caffeine nights i'm sure by uh, many humans uh so i think i mean i i'm fine do you with recommend
0: it. though do you recommend uh, as a regular coffee drinker at least cycling it
1: i don't drink coffee uh on the weekends um, I use coffee mainly for, uh, for work. Uh, it helps me focus, helps me uh, stay on target, helps me uh, study, right, do all the things I need to do. But on the weekends, I, I like to just let my, my receptors kind of clear out. And I do feel a little bit tired, more tired on, on the weekends than I do uh, Monday through, through Friday, it's obvious. But, yeah, every weekend I clear out. It's, it's what I do Saturday and Sunday, no no caffeine at all.
0: Yeah, I recommend guys who want to kind of because when you get older, it's going to turn into three cups, four cups, five cups, six cups, you're going to need more and more just to get that, you know, get through the day. So what you can do to prevent that is kind of cycle, cycle it. I like Rick's strategy, just cycle off on the weekend. A lot of guys will do like a two week, two week off, two week on, two week off, two week on, stuff like that. That's a really good idea. Um, I know a lot of older people, they have to drink like eight cups of coffee a day just to get through it. And, um, I mean, it's expensive. I mean, I don't know how much it costs at Starbucks. How much is one of those drinks at Starbucks? costs? like eight bucks, eight times eight drinks. That's like a hundred bucks a day on coffee.
1: I, I drink a lot of coffee. So I, I make mines at home to just make it uh cheaper for myself. But, uh, if you buy it at the store, man, it can get, it can get expensive. Um, it can get real expensive, and like you said, it, it is an addiction. You know, one I always knew just from the literature and from experience. I always knew it was you know you're addicted to to caffeine. You just can't can't lie to yourself about it. There was one particular long weekend where I was out with my uh, with my kid at the at a shopping center. I think it was like Monday afternoon. No no coffee since Friday, and I didn't realize how how uh, dragged down I was feeling but we woke by Starbucks and I said you know what I'm just it's nighttime I'm just gonna get a coffee <laughs> I'm just getting one I got a, a black coffee no sugar no cream cold I uh, started sipping on that thing man and once I was about a quarter of a way through it just the the feeling that came over me I realized I'm like holy shit I'm hooked on this stuff it felt so good you <laughs> have no idea just the caffeine hitting me after three days and yeah it made me realize like all right this is um you know this is something I gotta be conscious of This is something I'm doing and I'm utilizing it as a, as a tool as a crutch to help me concentrate to help me uh get more out of, out of my day I feel so I have to be conscious that this is this is what's going on and, and this is why I'm doing it but yeah man the feeling was so good and that day I realized like all right this is a, a drug that I'm that I'm addicted to now. This is this is kind of my reality today. It's caffeine. <laughs> I'm, I'm part of the group now. Yeah.
0: See, I'm the opposite. Like, if I drink just a little, a couple sips of coffee, oh my god, like I won't be able to sleep the whole night because I'm because I don't drink. I don't consume caffeine. Well, since I was like eight years old, um, I basically made a pledge I would not consume caffeine, just based on like you know studying it and stuff and. So if I just drink a little bit, like I used to play poker, and I used to have some for exactly the reason you said, just to you know get my mind going uh, for for a poker game, because the best games in poker are at night. You're you're playing poker at four or five a.m. You're getting you know that's when the fish are out there. You gotta catch the fish, and um, so I drink some coffee, dude. I will not be able to sleep. Like the next day, I would just fucking be wired. I wouldn't even be able to sleep. So yeah, it's 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 so true. The more you drink it, the more less of an effect it's going to have on you. And then, less you drink it, the more effect it's going to have. So if you want to reverse that, and you've been hooked on these pre workouts and stuff, just take take a break from them and kind of wean yourself down. And then you can go back up a little bit to to kind of do it. So anything else to add, right? Before we finish up,
1: ah, right, let's keep it going, man.
0: Yeah. All right, guys, appreciate you guys listening in. Please send in your questions. And we will definitely ask them on the air for Steve Smee and Rick. Another episode of evolution Talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Take care, buddy. Yeah.
1: Have a good night, Steve. Have a good night guys.